0: To give
1: it the views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship.
0: Tell my mama and tell my pa that are fine young son. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Greetings, family, and welcome to Take12Radio.com on your internet dial. This, of course, is Walking Through the 12 by 12 with myself and Chris Schroeder. Our, take, our, our, take 12, our email address is Take12Radio at Comcast.net. And uh, you can download the first three of these shows uh, anywhere you want, uh, your iPod or your your computer or whatever, uh, for absolutely no charge whatsoever. You can listen to each one of these shows on uh, this page, uh, you know, until the cows come home, as far as that goes, and then we'll be making available to you uh, the whole series when we're done with this workshop. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Monty. How's it going? It's going great. We're going to be going, uh, last uh, week we did the forward and the introduction to the 12 by 12 for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a book called The Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions. It's conference-approved literature by uh, the organization Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, we're going to be going through this thing line by line, just like we did walking through the big book. And uh, this week we are heading into step one, correct? Yes. Uh,
1: Last week, Monty, we covered uh, the forward uh, and introduction. We talked generally a little bit about the 12 and 12 and what was going on uh around the time of its of its writing very very interesting uh, again you know as we move into this uh i uh, i want to mention uh one thing about the the 12 and 12 uh, and i you know i need to do this just to be uh, responsible uh so often uh, so often people uh, grab uh, the 12 and 12 and use it as a guide to uh to go through the steps it's, it's listen it's a great guide for traditions uh, but it 's not necessarily a very good guide for actually taking the twelve steps, so uh, again, you know I, I want to mention that i I, I believe uh, we talked a little bit last week uh, about uh, the purpose of its uh, of it being written, and that really is to broaden and deepen the concepts of the 12 steps uh, as they were originally laid out in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, you know, Bill was was looking at, uh, at the steps from uh, 13 or 14 years on uh, in his experience, and he had a little bit more to share uh, about them, and they're, they're really, really great essays, and they have a lot of great information in them. They just uh, they they never should be used as the guide to go through the steps though.
0: Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because a lot of people really don't know that they just don't. They walk into a room, maybe their first meeting is uh, a study of the twelve by twelve, and some people. In fact, I have met actually met people that never heard of the Big Book for several weeks until <laughs> you, you know they thought this was the deal.
1: You know, different parts of the country. uh, uh there are different, uh, um, you know, there's different importance on the different types of uh, of, of literature. Uh, I'm sure, uh, but but again, you know, I, I believe, I truly believe that the person who is in real trouble with alcoholism. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that, going through step one tonight. But the people who are in real trouble with uh, with alcoholism or real trouble with drug addiction, and they, they've ended up in a twelve step fellowship, and they're they're really in trouble. They need they need to understand uh, something uh, right off the, the get go, and, and that's that's that you don't treat your addiction or you don't treat your alcoholism through meeting attendance. Uh, the recovery program, the recovery process, is embedded in the actual uh, taking of the 12 steps the the participation in that in those uh, spiritual exercises so um so in in this book of the 12 and 12 there's some really great information on the steps some good perspectives some good historical context uh, and even you know even some uh uh even uh, uh some and Descriptions about what one might experience when uh, they're going through the steps, and it's all really good. Uh, you know, a very, very interesting thing, Monty, is uh, one of one of Bill Wilson's uh, spiritual advisors and very good friends was a man named Father Ed Dowling. Uh, Ed Dowling showed up uh, at the uh, at the New York City office one night. He had heard about what Bill Wilson was doing, and he wanted to help. You know, and he was a Catholic priest. And he you know he showed up there, and uh, they became fast friends and Bill used him as a a spiritual advisor for for quite a while after that and Someone uh, got a hold of the letters uh, between Bill Wilson and Father Ed Dowling and published them in a book called the soul of sponsorship and and this book is still available for anybody that would be interested and One of the things that uh that I found when reading those letters was Bill kind of kind of tipped his hat a little bit about the book, the twelve and twelve. He explained uh, to uh, Father Ed uh, what his purpose was and why he wrote the essays for the steps. And mm-hmm. Basically, what he said, to, uh, uh, what he said in this book was, he believed it was incredibly important to cement the tradition. Uh, into uh, everyone's operational methodology in Alcoholics Anonymous, he believed that the traditions were incredibly important for the uh, the sustainability of the fellowship, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he also knew enough about Alcoholics to know that no one would care. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he was he was <laughs> going around the country, Monty, for years, and all he would talk about is the traditions. And people were saying, "Look, Bill, we'd love for you to speak at our home group, but would you just please don't." Don't talk about the traditions. Uh, t- tell your story. Just don't talk about those c- confounded traditions. But he, he understood that there was going to be not a whole lot of, uh, of interest or urgency uh, where the fellowship is, is, is going to embrace these traditions, and there wasn't. Mm-hmm. But what he did was, in the writing of the traditions, he figured that if he put the traditions in a book, and he wrote essays on the steps, 12 essays on the steps, the book would actually sell, because the alcoholics would care about the steps, uh, because that, you know, that has a lot to do with their own personal recovery and their own personal health and well-being. So they're going to pay attention to that, and they're going to buy the book. Uh, let's put the 12 traditions in there so they get out also. And that really was his motivation in the writing of uh, of the essays to sell the traditions. They were the as as he as he called it, the twelve steps were bait. For the twelve traditions, uh, so people would actually buy the book now it doesn 't take away you know say, well, saying that doesn 't take away the importance of these essays or or their impact. I, I truly believe Monty that uh, in these twelve uh, uh, these twelve essays on the twelve steps, Bill captures the alcoholic plate, the alcoholic personality and 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 delusional tendencies and and uh, the necessity of spiritual growth incredibly well. Uh, I don't think anyone could talk about the plight of alcoholism better than Bill Wilson. I've read hundreds of books on alcoholism, and uh, the thing that still speaks to me loud and clear is uh, is, uh, Bill Wilson's writings. He was just really, really profound where it concerns uh, alcoholism, uh, Mm -hmm. what it is, and recovery, what does that mean. And that's what I believe makes him so important.
0: Chris, why, are some, why do we hear so often that Bill Wilson was a shyster and a snake and, and all that kind of stuff? I mean, he, you know, to me, when people say that, I say, well, he was God's shyster then, you know. He was, he was a drunk, well, he was God's drunk, you know. But, I mean, we we do hear, I mean, we hear a lot of, of, of praise for him, but we hear a lot of criticism, too. Why is that?
1: You know, since the since the writing of a big book, I think Bill has taken taken criticism. I think it has a lot to do with 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 jealousy. You know, uh, alcoholics have an innate desire to be the number one man. And there were some people back in in the, the early days of Alcoholics Anonymous who really contributed to some some real slander against Bill Wilson. <laughs> Clarence Snyder was one of them. Uh, uh, there wasn't a uh, there there wasn't a, a more important wacko in Alcoholics Anonymous than Clarence Snyder. He was completely out of his mind, and also unbelievably important to the growth of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, But he came up with some, him and and some of the people that he was hanging around with came up with the idea that Bill was uh was had some kind of ponzi scheme going on with Alcoholics Anonymous he was taking all the money and all this money was coming into New York and he was taking the money and 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 you know Bill was wonderful about uh this stuff what what he basically did was he hired an an independent uh forensic accounting firm and they came in and they they did a complete uh, bookkeeping uh on every dime that went in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous and and uh, and Bill you know Flew out to Cleveland or Akron or wherever, and you know, showed this uh, this document to everybody that was criticizing him, and kind of exonerated himself. And then you know, they started to criticize him about other things. I mean, you know, forever, forever, he he gets criticized. Personally, what I really like about Bill Wilson, you know, is is his character defects. Monty, it's you know, if if the if the program of Alcoholics Anonymous was started by a priest. I I don't I don't know that I would have been that interested in learning about it. You, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that uh that God uses people who uh might have grave emotional uh, disorders and character defects. And sometimes it is one's character defects that makes one lovable. You know what I mean? Sure. I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't care for any perfect people. Uh, they they bore me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I i'm I'm attracted to the to the people who are uh, who are just a little bit uh, left to center yeah, yeah. And, and and i think and I think bill wilson was uh was uh, was quite a character and he was just the right character uh he was just the right character to carry this message out into the world he He had a tremendous ego, so when he wanted money, he went to the Rockefellers when he wanted psychiatric uh information he went to Carl Jung. I mean, I mean, you know, rare is it somebody with that kind of gall or that that kind of a chutzpah who would who would do that kind of a thing. And and Bill Wilson was uh, was one of those men. You know, he he wanted publicity, so he went to Reader's Digest. You know, the the number one periodical. Uh, and he was just the right person at the, at the right time. And did he have character defects? Absolutely. Uh, did he admit to them? Absolutely. Was he was he disappointed when people were disappointed in him he was but he would always remind them that they put him on a pedestal he never asked to stand on you know he always just wanted to be uh... another drunk no 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 you know not any more saintly than anybody else you know right right <laughs> so uh... so that that's kind of you know people are going to be critical heck i you know i've got i've got my mike critical uh... Uh, things to say about, uh, some of the 12 step fellowships today, but, um uh, you know, underneath all of that is, is a, is a great desire to see them succeed and a great love of, uh, of, uh, of what they can help people become.
0: Yeah. You know amen I mean? to that, man.
1: So anyway, I think we should, uh, we should get started on, uh, right. on step one. Now, now step one is so important. And I I will tell you right now, if there's alcoholics or there's addicts listening to this show, I can pretty much guarantee that 80% of them don't have a true understanding of what step one is. In a lot of the fellowship meetings today, you hear a lot of information that is going to lead you to misunderstand what step one is. It is difficult. To understand step one at depth, but it's incredibly important to do so. Bill Wilson makes the statement in much of much of the literature that unless you can you can actually embrace what the what step one is saying, you will not have the <clears throat> You will not have the enthusiasm nor keep up the momentum to get through the rest of uh, the the uh, the remaining eleven steps. Mm. You will poop out in it and you will not recover. you may achieve some kind of sobriety, maybe even a long lasting sobriety, maybe even one of those one of those sobrieties where you know twenty years down the road you're still the cranky old timer in one of the meetings going kid. Just take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. You know, <laughs> you might you might end up like one of those guys who's sober but but doesn't even have a clue about what recovery is. Uh, that may happen, but it's incredibly important to understand step one. Step one is difficult because step one requires a surrender. And an admission that you are 100% beaten. And if you're not the type of person who, you know, it's it's easy for you to do something like that, you can last a long time out there beating your head against the wall and doing a lot of drinking that you don't want to be doing. Yeah. And uh, it, it's I love this particular essay. It's only four pages long, uh, but it says so much. Let's... Uh, let's get started on it okay step one we admitted we were powerless over alcohol Dash that our lives have become unmanageable the dash monty is the same as an equal sign in uh... in arithmetic it's 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 the same thing so we admitted uh... uh we were powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable it's all one step it's all one thing now you break step one down i believe into two parts and the first part has two parts so it's basically a three-part step and uh, I'll, I'll explain what that means uh, in in a few minutes here uh but let's get started on this first paragraph because i think it's one of the most paragra- powerful paragraphs bill wilson ever wrote
0: okay
1: who cares to admit complete defeat Practically no one, of course, every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. Every, every idea, every every Western movie that you've ever seen, every self-help book that you've ever read, every motivational speaker that you've ever heard, uh, they're all telling you that you can succeed if you want to and try, and if you apply yourself all of All of this information is great unless you 're an alcoholic trying to get over alcohol. Then you need to look the other direction, and it's so difficult for us. Uh, There's a lot of people, Monty, who are trying to make uh, money off of uh, drug addiction and and alcoholism treatment who don't understand powerlessness, don't understand surrender, don't understand the first step. They truly believe that that the, the human powers or the psychologicals or the psychiatrics that they have developed are going to help someone recover from alcoholism. They they really believe it. And you know, I've I've been involved with uh, the professional uh re- treatment uh community for a, a long time now. You you know, you know that I've uh, I've been on a number of boards and had different shows with treatment professionals. I you know, I understand it. There uh, there is a classification that this book and the book Alcoholics Anonymous describes as a potential alcoholic or a problem drinker or a heavy drinker that those people can help. However, the alcoholic is beyond human aid. They cannot be helped by treatment centers, they cannot be helped by psychiatric uh, treatment, they cannot be helped by psychological treatment. They can that will not promote recovery from alcoholism and it's a shame but but there are gazillions of people out there charging you money for things that are not going to help you recover if you're an alcoholic however it works on the heavy drinkers and the problem drinkers so a lot of those professionals don't delineate between the two they'll say it they'll say that if you if, if what they offer you doesn't work it's your fault. It's your problem. Uh, because it works on other people. Well, it's it's working on the non-alcoholic. It's not working on the alcoholic every time. So, you know, but admit, there's no upside to admitting that. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it would almost be a, an admission of malpractice. Like, I shouldn't have been treating those alcoholics in the first place. I should have been pointing them towards something that might work. But they don't do that because they're customers. Mm -hmm. You you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So, um, it is truly awful to admit that glass in hand, we've warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. What a powerful sentence. Mm. It's truly awful, Monty, when we had to admit that when we had the glass in our hand, we had warped our minds to such an extent that uh, that only an act of providence could remove it from us. What do you think about when you think about providence, Monty? What what is providence to you?
0: It's an act of God. It's an an interventionary act
1: of a deity. It's exactly what it is. And who among us wishes to admit that that's the only hope we have left? That's what Alcoholics Anonymous is saying, and that's what the first step is saying. And you know, and I know, Monty, that very few people that are in recovery uh, fellowships uh, or, or, uh, you know, who are claiming to be sober or claiming to be clean have have gone that far in their concession. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many of them believe that by their by meeting attendance they're treating their alcoholism or their drug addiction or by working with a sponsor or by having service commitments they're they're doing the things they need to do to stay sober. And you know this this book and the book Alcoholics Anonymous is basically saying you can participate in the maintenance of your spiritual condition. You can place yourself in the sunlight of the spirit, but you're not the sun you can make yourself available to the power but you're not the power and it's by participating in the maintenance of your spiritual condition that you clear away enough so that your uh, exposure to and relationship with god is at such a level that god can remove the obsession to drink god can remove the character defects and this is what step one is saying at a very deep level, and it's just not something a lot of people are ready to hear.
0: So, so uh, what, I, what I hear you saying is something that, that uh, one of our other broadcasters says all the time, that if, if I'm powerless and you're powerless, whether it's just you and I or a room full of 100 people, zero plus zero is zero.
1: You don't treat your alcoholism with meeting attendance.
0: Yeah.
1: meeting attendance does not treat your alcoholism. Uh, what 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 ha- what really alcoholism is? It's it's an unrequited longing <laughs> for God. Now l- let me let me ex- let me explain that a little bit. What I believe is with alcoholics and drug addicts, and I'm not talking about the heavy drinkers or the drug abusers. I'm talking about the people who have warped their minds into such an obsession that only an act of providence can remove them uh, from that, uh, that act of alcoholism or drug addiction. What I believe those people were driven to do was to, uh, to feel better to connect with something greater than themselves, now what what is going out to get drunk what, what, what is that but wanting to feel greater than the way you feel right now, or wanting something better than what you're experiencing right now and and uh and that's really what uh what alcoholism is it's It's an unrequited um, inner desire. To feel at one with God and your fellow man, you but, know that's a heavy so, statement,
0: buddy. <laughs> uh, but but do do you agree with me, Mike? Yes, I, I I do. I never I never thought of it that way, but that is absolutely true, and, and that's why um, I was thinking here about a guy that was here for years who used to say, "Well, you have a problem with God. You didn't have a problem with the bottle. That was your God."
1: Oh, oh, no, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it can be, it can be a great, it can be an incredible. Uh, you know, you're worshiping at that temple, yeah, uh, the temple of booze. Uh, no other kind of bankruptcy is like this one. Alcohol now become the rapacious creditor, bleeds us of all self-sufficiency and all will to resist its demands. Once this stark fact is accepted, our bankruptcy as going human concerns is complete. Now think about this, uh, alcohol has become a rapacious creditor. It bleeds us of our self-sufficiency and our will to resist its demands. In, in other words, no matter how hard we try to stop drinking, we can't. We we do not seem to have the power. We can we can swear that we'll never touch alcohol again. Uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning and be drunk early that afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's a powerlessness. It's, a, it's, it's an inability to use sound reasoning where it concerns alcohol. In the book Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about the mental obsession. And what that looks like, and what it looks like is a strange mental blank spot that precedes the next drink. You might have been in 10 treatment centers. The judge might have, might have told you you're going to prison for 10 years if you ever drink again. Your wife might say, I'm kicking you out if you ever drink again. Your boss could say, you're never working me for, for me again if you ever drink again. And that day you start drinking. It, it, you know, it, it, it's an it's an insanity. It, it's it's an utter inability to make a decision to stay separated from alcohol and have that mean anything. And you know, that's what the first step is saying. It it uh, it. it It bleeds us of all self-sufficiency and all will to resist its demand. Mm -hmm. And once this stark fact is accepted, our bankruptcy as human, uh, going human concerns is complete. And that's when we need to surrender. But upon entering AA, we soon take quite another view of this absolute humiliation. We perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps toward liberation and strength. Our admissions of personal powerlessness and strength... Uh, Our our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out uh, to be the firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. And how this worked with me, Monty, was when I concluded uh, that I was powerless, that I was not the one in charge of when I drank again or how long I drank when I started, that, that, that that was not a choice I had. Once I understood that, it made it a lot easier for me to say, yes, I will take these steps. I will do this. I will work a recovery program. Uh, nobody wants to just work uh, the rest of the 11 steps out of a sense of virtue. We need, we need, to, have, we need to have our feet held to the fire. And understanding alcoholism and understanding powerlessness, that's the fire that gets held to our feet.
0: So there is really, there is a huge element of surrender here, even before the third step. You know, you need to be willing. You need
1: to be willing to do some of this stuff. And, you know, this this stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of times we'll say, well, that's not going to work for me. I understand what you guys are trying to do, but that's not going to work. You have to go past all of that and blindly, blindly say, tell me what to do next. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, what do I, okay, I did that. What do I do next? Okay, I did that. What do I do next? Blindly. You know, that's what the surrender is really asking for. We know that little good can come to any alcoholic who joins AA unless he has first accepted his devastating weakness and all its consequences. What if that's true? What if little good can come to any alcoholic who doesn't completely buy into step one? Monty, what if that's true? A lot of people wandering around AA and NA are going to be in big trouble. That's what's true. And some are. And some
0: are, yeah, absolutely. You, you bet. There, there, There is rooms filled with people that still haven't come to that point.
1: You know, I, I totally agree with you. Until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, if any, will be precarious. Of real happiness, he will find none at all. Proved beyond doubt by an immense experience, this is one of the facts of AA life, the principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat, is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. That's how important it is. It's a taproot. The taproot is what gives uh, life to, uh, uh, to, to the plant organisms. So what's going to give us life as human concerns is going to be this, uh, this understanding that uh, we can't just decide not to drink. And everything's going to be fine. We can't just decide not to smoke crack anymore, and everything's going to be fine. We we can't just decide not to do prescription medication anymore, and everything's going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. We need we need to admit that, and then we need to seek the solution as a as a, a drowning man se- seizes a life preserver. You know, work these steps like a drowning man would seize a life preserver, uh, like it's the only thing that's going to keep you alive.
0: So so when somebody says. To the newcomer, hey, listen. We this is the morning meeting. This is seven o'clock. We have a, a noon meeting, and then we have an eight o'clock meeting. So just don't drink in between meetings. That doesn't sound like a very uh, uh, that's not too encouraging to me.
1: Well, you're 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 assuming you you're assuming somebody's a non-alcoholic when you're asking them to do that, right? Um, if the alcoholic was in charge of whether they drank or not, they wouldn't be an alcoholic. There, there you go. <laughs> so, so, so by telling them just don't drink, uh, you know, you know, what, you, what, what you really need to do as a responsible uh, fellowship member is help them, help them to qualify themselves and help them to start working through the steps. Get them to the power. Don't, don't encourage them to, to, to do something that they don't have the power to do. That would be like saying, uh, you know, Monty, fly out to the East Coast, just flap your arms and fly out to the East Coast this weekend, so we can hang out together. You know, yeah. I'm encouraging you to do something that you can't do. Uh, so, so that's not that's not a good thing to do. The, the best thing to do is to is to try to start working with these individuals. There you yeah. go. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a chapter called "Working with Others" in the book Alcoholics and Anonymous. Do that. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not, we're not supposed to just abdicate responsibility by telling us <laughs> where the loony nooney is and saying, "I'll see you there." I mean, that's not really helpful. You know what? What we what we need to do is we we need to we need to help guide somebody uh, toward a path. The, uh, of recovery that's going to bring them into contact with a power greater than themselves, which will be which will enable them to recover. If that makes any sense.
0: Absolutely. Now, now you you you've you've given me some ammo now. When you said Looney Nooney, I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that one down. Real good. <laughs> Not that I judge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> When first challenged to admit compete, complete defeat, most of us revolted. <clears throat> we had approached AA expecting to be taught self-confidence. Then we had been told, then we had been told so far uh, that so far as alcohol is concerned, self-confidence was no good, whatever. In fact, it was a total lo- liability. So to tell somebody that all they need to do is not uh, not take a drink, no matter what, mm-hmm. but you're, you know, this is basically saying that, that that's that's no good, whatever, and it's a liability to allow somebody to believe that. Our sponsors declared that we were victims of a mental obsession so subtly powerful that no amount of human willpower could break it. No matter what, you're going to put alcohol back in your body unless you find a spiritual answer. There was, they said, no such thing as a personal conquest of this compulsion by the unaided will. Not for an alcoholic, but again, there's a lot of people in the N.A. rooms, the A.A. rooms, the C.A. rooms who are not what would be described as truly powerless or real alcoholics or real addicts, and they they can just stay away, and that's what makes the fellowships tricky. You you know, so many people go in and say, well, so-and-so hasn't worked the steps and he's sober well there's a good chance so and so isn't an alcoholic or so and so hasn 't done the steps and they 've been off crack for two years well there 's a good chance that so and so isn 't a crack addict they were just, they just ab- tended to abuse crack and might have been addicted to it and addiction and and ism are two different things drug addiction and and drug addict uh, are are two completely different things mm Relentlessly deepening our dilemma, our sponsors pointed out our increasing sensitivity to alcohol, an allergy they called it. The tyrant alcohol wielded a double-edged sword over us. First, we were smitten by an insane urge that condemned us to go on drinking, and then by an allergy the body that uh, ensured we would ultimately destroy ourselves in the process. See, the, the problem of the alcoholic, Monty, they only have two problems. One of them is when they're drinking, and one of them is when they're not drinking. <laughs> if it wasn't for those two problems, they'd probably be okay. Uh, the obsession of the mind drives an alcoholic back to putting alcohol in their body. The allergy of the body uh, uh, make, uh, puts in uh, a physical compulsion to continue to drink. So, so what happens is you can't stay away from alcohol, and when you're drinking alcohol, you can't control the amount you take. It, that's the double-edged sword, and that is absolutely brutal. Uh, I, I lived that.
0: And, and that stuff happens, uh, that first part of that happens when you're stone cold sober. The,
1: the, the dumbest thing you'll ever do as an alcoholic or a drug addict, you'll do uh, separated from alcohol or drugs. Yeah. And, and that'll be put them back in your body. <laughs> yeah. and, and And try to somehow fathom them up in a, a reasonable excuse for why you did so. Yeah. Um, Few indeed were those who, so assailed, had ever won through in single handed combat. It was a statistical fact that alcoholics almost never recovered on their own resources. And this has been true, apparently, ever since man had first crushed grapes. In AA's pioneering time, none but the most desperate cases could swallow and digest this unpalatable truth. Even these last gaspers often had difficulty in realizing how hopeless they actually were. But if you did... And when these laid hold of AA principles with all the fervor with which a drowning, uh, the drowning seizes life preservers, they almost invariably got well. So it, it's actually a good thing to be in a lot of trouble. The more trouble you're in with alcoholism, the better your chances of, of feeling so hopeless that you'll actually uh, make a decent surrender, and say, okay, uh, I'm, I'm ready to do whatever you guys want me to do, and then start working the steps. So, you know, being in a lot of trouble isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, for people in AA. Uh, but this is why the first edition of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, published when our membership was small, dealt with low-bottom cases only. Many less desperate alcoholics tried AA, but did not succeed because they could not make the admission of hopelessness. Um, It is a tremendous satisfaction to record and in the following years this has changed. Alcoholics who still had their health, their families, their jobs, and even two cars in the garage began to recognize their alcoholism. As this trend grew, they were joined by young people who were scarcely more than potential alcoholics. They were spared that last 10 or 15 years of literal hell the rest of us had gone through. Since step one requires an admission that our lives have become unmanageable, how could pe- such a, uh, people as these take these steps? It was ob- obviously necessary to raise the bottom. The rest of us had hit to the point where we'd hit them. A lot of times the early AA's thought that the external circumstances had a lot to do with how alcoholic you were. In, in other words, you know, oh, you still have a car. You know, you still have a job. You mm-hmm. can't be as alcoholic as I am. When they, when they learned that they could raise the bottom, what that meant was that they could understand the symptomology of alcoholism. And, you you know, you, you can last another 10 years as an alcoholic, but you don't need to. You can recognize that you, you have the alcoholic tendencies. And so you can, uh, you know, as long as you begin to work the spiritual principles inherent in the steps you're going to be able to overcome alcoholism, even if you got another 10 years of drinking in you. By going back in our own drinking histories, we could show that years before we realized that we were out of control and that our drinking even then was no mere habit, that it, 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 it was indeed the beginning of a fatal progression. To the doubters, we could say, perhaps you're not alcoholic at all. Why don't you try some more controlled drinking? Bearing in mind, meanwhile, what we've told you about alcoholism, this attitude brought immediate and practical results. Now, it's funny. Both the 12 and 12 and the big book have, um, have uh, suggestions uh, to try some drinking. If you don't believe you are an alcoholic, they ask you to find out by actually drinking. If you can't use your own personal experience uh, uh, to figure it out, Bearing in mind what they've told us about alcoholism, uh, you can uh, you can try some controlled co- controlled drinking, and hopefully that will convince you. Uh, that's how important they thought a full understanding of the first step was, that they would actually point you back to the bottle if they had to for you to gain that understanding.
0: A lot of people thought that they were being sarcastic, but they were dead serious. They were dead serious. Look, yeah.
1: No, nobody, nobody wants uh, nobody wants a half measure person in their group. I don't care what twelve step fellowship you're in. Nobody wants somebody that's in there just to just to screw around. Uh, they want they want people that are that are serious about you know uh, staying clean, staying sober. This attitude brought immediate and practical results. Uh, um, um, it was then discovered that when one alcoholic had planted in the mind of another the true nature of his malady, that that person could never be the same again. So, by telling somebody, "Okay, look, you don't think you're an alcoholic. Here, try some controlled drinking. Try to drink two drinks a night. You can't. You can't save them up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just two drinks a night. That's all you can have. Uh, do that for six months." Marty Man, the, the the woman who started the National Council on Alcoholism and, and Drug Dependence. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the Marty Mann test. Two drinks a night for six months. Try that. And I'll tell you what, if for any reason, I don't care what the reason is, you drink more than two drinks or less than two drinks a night in that six-month period, you're probably alcoholic, no matter what you try to convince yourself. What will usually happen is the alcoholic will say, will say, listen, I did this three days in a row. I, you know, I, I don't need any more information. Uh, I'm cool. I'm not an alcoholic. I, I was able to pull it off for three days and then get drunk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you do that, then you're an alcoholic. Uh, and that's, that's basically what, uh, what, they, uh, what, what the test is. So we don't tell somebody to go get drunk if they don't do what we tell them to do, we explain to them what alcoholism is, what the obsession of the mind is, what the allergy of the body is. And we tell them, okay, give it a try. This is what the obsession looks like. This is what the allergy looks like. If that happens to you, the next time you're drinking, then you're probably an alcoholic and you need to come back. If you can control your drinking and you can enjoy your drinking, you're not one of us. God bless you. Go in peace. And and that's that's still, good. That's still good advice to give somebody who is not willing uh, to follow direction, not willing to participate in the recovery mm-hmm. program. Following every spree, that an individual that you would do that to would say to himself, maybe those AAs were right. After a few such experiences, often years before the onset of extreme difficulties, he would return to us convinced. He had hit bottom as truly of any of us. John Barleycorn had become our best advocate. And then when they come back, they're willing to work with you. Instead instead of being part of the problem, they're now part of the solution. Why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the 12-step program unless they have hit bottom. No one is just going to do it because it sounds like a good plan. You know, because it doesn't sound like a good plan. Uh, you know, Monty, when you first saw the, the 12 steps on the wall, did you say to yourself, my God, that's what, I, that's what I've been looking for. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> did you say that? No. <laughs> no, no, nobody does. All. Nobody does. So AA's remaining 11 steps, for practicing AA's remaining 11 steps, means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking? Who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Who wants to confess his faults to another and make restitution for harm done? Who cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? That's a brief synopsis of the steps that you are going to be required to take for recovery. Uh, Who among us is going to jump into that, you know, uh, 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 singing and dancing?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Who wants to sacrifice that time and that energy in trying to carry uh, AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. Under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA, and there we discover the fatal nature of our situation. Then and only then do we become as open-minded to, uh, to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be, we stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us and if you are at a place where you are not willing to do anything to lift the merciless obsession, you still have step one work to do.
0: Wow, wow let, let, let me bring up a couple things here uh, one, one of the one of the the real dangerous things that that I that I see on a regular basis is folks that are not truly alcoholic. The heavy drinker or the guy that just had to grow up or, you know, his, his wife just said knock it off and he did or, or he just came in the meetings and he stopped and didn't do any of the new steps or any of that kind of thing. Um, they They stay. Some of them stay because, for, for whatever reason, they're convinced that that's what's doing it, or they've got a whole bunch of new friends, and they, that's the only time they get to see them, and so on and so forth. For whatever reason, they turn into old-timers. I call them pseudo-old-timers. Uh, because what they do is, then they carry on uh, a unhealthy tradition of working with newcomers that very possibly are truly alcoholic, but they're teaching them to do what they did. 90 meetings in 90 days. Don't drink in between meetings. Put the plug plug in the jug. Uh, Hang out with healthy people. Hang out with the winners. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and all this stuff sounds really good. In fact, some of it sounds absolutely wonderful, you know, uh, in, in, in some meetings. And the poor guy does what his sponsor says but he keeps going back out because this guy is truly an alcoholic or an addict and he, and then people start getting mad at him and, and the sponsor fires him and all the time in my humble opinion it's not his fault it's their fault uh,
1: Monty there are
0: killing
1: things that go on in the 12 step fellowships today I don't believe that these these people these these uh, these old timers bleeding deacons I think the the stepbook calls them right. I don't necessarily believe they're trying to hurt anybody. They, no, they, no, no, They only know what they know, and they, they only do what they do. And the good the good news in, in Alcoholics Anonymous and other twelve uh, step fellowships is, uh, you, you know, you, you can only give what what give away what you have. And the bad news is you can only give away what, what, what you have. And I, here's, where, here's where I believe the responsibility needs to lie. If you are an alcoholic, you're going to know it. If you've gone through the steps and have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you are going to know it. You need to find the real alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous. You need to find... The real drug addicts and narcotics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous, you need to find them, recognize them, and help them because there, there are going to be people who are going to try to help them, and they 're not trying to hurt them they 're trying to help them yeah. but they 're going to be giving them insufficient help they're they 're going to be handing somebody a band aid when when they when 've got a stress fracture uh, you know they 're going to be they 're going to be telling people to keep it simple. Uh, while they're about the business of dying, and uh, uh, again, they're they're killing things, and uh, it, it's it's not it, it's not like people should be arrested for contributory manslaughter. Uh, <laughs> they, they they only know what they know, right? And, but I'll tell you what: as an alcoholic or as a drug addict, um, the responsibility lies on you. To find, uh, to find the other alcoholics and other drug addicts in the fellowships and to do the 12-step work with them as it talks about in the chapter working with others. Rather than abdicate your responsibility and just sit in meetings and, and, uh, and chirp your sharing, you know, give good share... Once a week, rather than do that, it's really more incumbent upon you to find these people uh, and to engage them in a conversation and quite possibly uh, a mentoring uh, uh, relationship where you can point them toward the the real power and the real solution.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that can be challenging. That that can really be challenging uh, because you can you can see. How people are approached in twelve step meetings a lot of times that are new by people that are actually dangerous and and like you said not in, not intending to be. Uh, very they don't well, understand very well
1: alcoholism mean. because they they don't they don't suffer from they don't,
0: they don't suffer from it. Uh, they yeah. got
1: they got a couple of DUIs or you know got yelled at by somebody for being drunk and uh, and they came in and they found a, a really cool social club in, in AA or a really cool social club in NA or CA and you know. uh, all of, a, all of a sudden, it was a, a new kind of fellowship and a, a fun, fun place to find friends and and scope out, uh, you know, uh, victims for your uh, your your lust. And, and here they are. Uh, yeah. And you know, what, do you, what <laughs> are you what are you going to do? Sure. Um, that that's that's what happened. Uh, and I, th- I think again, each of us has uh, our own personal responsibility, and we need to be responsible. Um, well, there's. We need to be responsible for when there's sick and suffering. We need to at least be offering the solution, right? Right. And that's not going to make you the most popular person in the room. No, it's and not. You, and you know not what? Today, if if you are the most popular person in the rooms, you're not doing it right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have a little saying: If you haven't offended somebody today, you probably haven't been applying the principles of the program. Yeah, I mean, we don't go out <laughs> and
1: purposely, you know, wear wear other people's resentments like medals.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know,
1: we we don't do that, but uh but you know we, certainly the truth is an important thing to to share and we try to do that with compassion and understanding and and uh you know so, so, you know some form of uh, uh of common sense but we need to do it nonetheless
0: yeah yeah um the other thing i wanted to ask you really quick is uh one of the things that we see in uh in treatment centers and uh, even in some meetings, believe it or not, at least out here, um, is a qualifying sheet. And I, I understand that the need uh, for that word being convinced—I mean, it's all over the place. Be convinced. The alcoholic needs to be convinced. The the sponsor needs to be convinced. The family needs to be convinced. On and on and on. But these are these aren't that. This is uh, this is an assessment sheet, and. It will say, um, uh, you know, uh, here's a way to find out if you're alcoholic or addict. Um, have you ever gotten a DUI? Have you ever gotten your 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 parents so angry I'm at you not, they kicked I'm you out? I'm not
1: a big fan of those. Most yeah, of those, most of those have come from treatment centers. That want your money?
0: Okay. And those things, those things, all those things can happen to somebody who's not alcoholic or addict. Absolutely, absolutely true. Uh, if if when you
1: honestly want to you find you cannot give up alcohol entirely or if when drinking you have little or no control over the amount you take you're probably alcoholic okay that is all uh, that is it. one sentence is the qualifier okay yeah uh. A ton of people get DUIs who are not alcoholic. Uh, you know, uh, people die of cirrhosis in the liver who are not alcoholic. But what makes it, what, uh, what unfortunately makes an alcoholic is someone that can't stop drinking on their own power. That's what an alcoholic is. Sure. They can't stop themselves. And so, so often treatment centers want to just teach you how to tell yourself how to stop a little bit more serious. Or people in the meetings want to encourage you to tell yourself to just not, drink a little bit more seriously. And that stuff works for the heavy drinker. It, it's not going to work for the alcoholic. The yeah. alcoholic needs... Yeah. You know, how many, how many times can we say, it, that the alcoholic needs uh, the actual interventionary power of God, uh, and anything less is going to be insufficient, and yeah. they're, they're going to die of al- active alcoholism.
0: And if, if that's you, my friend, and you keep skirting around that issue, I, I, I am pleading with you. I am pleading with you to really check out whatever you're doing and see if that, how that's working for you. Because I got to tell you, thousands of people have recovered from alcoholism. And, uh, but there's many more that haven't. And one of the biggest reasons is, is selfish and self-centeredness and pride and ego and all that stuff. And, and here's, here's something, Chris, and we'll close with this. Uh, One of the things that I fought with this God thing was. uh, Is because I had my own moral compass. And I was told years ago. Something that I think is a very dangerous thing to tell somebody today. uh, Make a list. And on one side of the piece of paper put all your old ideas about God. And on the other side of the piece of paper put everything you want God to be. So I did that. And I created my own god that made me the creator and i wrote all this stuff well i don't want to have to go to jail if i go out and shoot up meth you know and if i if i get drunk i don't want to kill anybody i just want to get drunk and drive and on and on and on and on and basically it was all about no consequences and i created this god of no consequences and it almost killed me it it, it almost killed me and until i came to a point where i had to say you know what i cannot be the creator. I can't do it. You can't be my creator. I can't be my creator. I I have I have to have the hand of providence on my life. And that's when things begin to change. So if, if you're there and you're struggling with this thing. I know. I understand. Uh, you know. It, it, it's difficult. But please. I, 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 I'm pleading with you with everything I have. Because it's your life. It's your life. Uh, consider what we've said today. Consider what Chris is, ha, has been talking about. Please go to Walking Through the Big Book and listen to the workshops on there. Uh, please, if you're brand new to a to a meeting, uh, please listen to these shows and then listen and, and see if it matches up. And then don't believe us. You know, you got you got to get in it yourself uh, because it, it, if you don't confirm it in your own heart. You're just going to be fighting this thing over and over again. But please don't take things out of context. So, you know that whole thing about take what you leave and what you want, leave the rest. I didn't even know what I wanted, Chris. <laughs> I didn't know what I needed. You know somebody had to tell me. So God bless your hearts, everybody. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Okay, we'll see you again next week, Monty. Next week will be step two, folks. Remember our. Email address take12radio at comcast.net and you can download this show uh, anytime uh, for free uh, on this page. This is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has
1: been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.